0: This is a crowd podcast. What's occurring, mate? Hey, Luke,
1: what's occurring? No you know I'm doing this bad accent, <laughs> don't you?
0: That was a good one, mate. That was brilliant. Was
1: oh, that's a relief. I was going to give you a buenos dias, Luke Rao. Buenos dias, Mr Rao. Because we're talking about the Vuelta, but I have done an American accent because today's stage was won by a man with one of the least American names in the pro peloton, Seb Kuss of Jumbo Visma.
0: Yeah, mate, that's right. uh won the stage, uh, climbed the GC up into second in GC. Lenny Martinez, uh, FDJ, young fella, uh, took the opportunity. He's now in red. So I love to see stuff like that. You know, young guy. I don't know an awful lot about him. I'm not going to pretend I do, but he's quite clearly a weapon and he's got himself a red jersey for his his hard day out. But I mean, we're going to recap yesterday and today, but I can't, we have to do today first because there's so much to go through. It was one of, I haven't spoke to any rider yet, but I'm sure they'll all say that was one of the hardest days they've ever had on a bike. Yeah. Um, the breakaway went, it was full gas from the start. And in the end, there was a breakaway of 42 riders um, and some serious GC hitters in there with the likes <clears> of obviously Cuss, um, Lander, Martinez, the list goes on. But from that point on, it was... Um, The Peloton was chasing full gas. It went up to seven minutes at one point. And you know, when there's a break on a day like that, some teams really get it right and come out on the front foot and some teams really get it wrong and come out on the back foot. And I think that's going to be probably the biggest talking point today in who got it right and who got it wrong. But it was, it was a crazy day. Right, let's get into that then
1: because you understand breaks, Luke. You understand how they come together. When I see a break that big, I always think that someone's done something really well and some
0: other team has really messed up. Exactly that. Um, I think let, let's rewind. So for your pers- for, this is for your listener who knows a bit about cycling but doesn't know everything. So... We talk about these breaks in, in grand tours and races and what a team would be happy with, what's a good break for a team, what's a bad break for a team. And in every day of racing, there is a breakaway. And a lot of the time it's there for a team to get exposure. Um, they know they're going to get caught, for example, on a sprint day. And then days like today is the opposite. And people are going in the break with the real intent of climbing the GC or winning the stage. And, you know, Remco said already a few days ago he's happy to give away the red jersey, which I think was the first mistake. I don't think you should ever let on that. Right, boy. He's basically said to the whole peloton, we're going to let the break go here. Um, And everyone's gone. Every team director is gone. we got to be in that breakaway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So 42 guys went clear. Um, The big winners, I think, were FDJ. I think they had three in there with... Lenny Martinez. You had Bahrain with four in there with um, the likes of Lander and Wout Powell's. And then the team who absolutely nailed today and credit to them was Lotto Jumbo. Uh, oh, sorry, Jumbo Visma. Yellow yellow Lotto. There's lots of names for them. Yes. Um, so they had Sep- <laughs> they had Sepkus in the breakaway, which he's goes to these grand tours as a domestique but we all know how good he is so we had this himself- is his third grand tour of the year
1: as well isn't it this is the nuts thing like we can we can praise sepkus to the highest heavens because he is a ridiculous mountain domestique but even the fact that this is his third grand tour of the year and he's fresh as a daisy there's no tiredness in Sep's legs he's he's
0: going solo with 3k <laughs> to go on a ridiculous climb he's fine he's incredible mate I think if if I'm a team manager and I got to put together eight riders for a start of a grand tour and you can pick from anyone, he's potentially one of the first guys I put on the list. I think he's the best domestique on the market at the moment. He's incredible. Um, in terms of that high mountain support, he's always there. Uh, and today he turned into potentially a leader and Vuelta Espana winner. I don't think it will end up like that, but he's put himself in a position. And they managed to get four riders in there. Um, they had Jan Tratnik, Dylan Van Baal, Altery, Va- no, Valter, whatever his name is, Hungarian, super strong guy, and Sepkus himself. So they played it perfect. And then you got to flip the script and say which team's really got it wrong. And um, I think that was evident with who ended up chasing that breakaway, which was Quick Step. Uh, they had two guys in there, but a hail of. Quite insignificance. Um, then you had movie star. They're obviously back in mass, and they kind of got they kind of got one guy in this race who can do GC, and that was him. And they let too many guys go up the road. And I'm sorry, but you know we're in this pod, and we call a spade a spade. I think Ineos Grenadiers made a massive tactical mistake also today. Um, we had Jonathan Castroveo in there, which in a break of 42, he's not a guy who couldn't who's gonna ride GC for us. Um, and as a result, we chased all day alongside Movie Star and Quick Step. We rode with Kim Hyduk, we rode with Omar Friley, we rode with Pete Bogana. So we pretty much burned our whole team. For a team such as us going into the stage, we were I wrote a note. We were 11th and 17th in GC, mm. respectively. So for the outcome of the breakaway of the day to be that we had to contribute and we had to ride was a mistake, um, a tactical mistake. I don't think it was physical because you could see just how strong it, they were in aid into that chase. And just one more stat from the breakaway. 12 of the to- of the top 25 on GC were inside that breakaway. Wow. So, you know, we uh, yeah, definitely a tactical mistake from us. It would have been good to, uh, you know, ha- have Arisman in there. Really, um, if that many t- big top GC guys are going in there, we got to put one of ours in there, and that's either G or Timon, and uh, I'd have gone Timon. But you know, this isn't um, this isn't a simple. <laughs> straightforward formula where you go, right. we'll place him in the breakaway and we'll have three guys and you decide what you do. This is a bike race at the highest level. So some days you nail it and some days you don't. And I think um, today was, was uh, yeah, not a great day for us.
1: It looked like a tough day. And as you say, when a break that big goes away, not only does it disrupt that day stage, but it has a seismic effect on the GC. And that is what we've seen. It's a pretty chaotic GC when you look at it. So let's just try and break it down a little bit. Let's first of all, so Remco's had a super tough day. um, And on that horrible climb, that horrible final climb, um, he struggled a little bit more because he was attacked by two of his big rivals on what we might call the pre-race GC standings.
0: Yeah, he... Do you know, he actually limited his losses quite well. At some, he got dropped relatively early, you know, generally speaking, versus GC rivals. You could tell he just settled into a pace. And at one point you're like, right, he's been dropped relatively early. Yeah, here. But he just stuck to his pace, grinded it out, and lost around, give or take, uh, 30 seconds on them. Uh, you know, the jumbo duo of Roglic- and I've got mine blank, Vinogard. Um So yeah, the, if you look at the GC now, of course it's hell of a mess because you've got a mix of them out and out GC guys and the guys who um, got in that breakaway and, and took time that way. But yeah, I mean, we got G, our man, he's 23rd at four minutes, 57. You know, definitely he's going to pass a good chunk of these as the race goes on. Um, A lot of guys took time in that breakaway, like I said, and he'll get that back. So I think a decent day for G, uh, significantly better than the Andorra stage. I think he's starting to find his legs really well. Day by day, he's going to get better and better. I've got every confidence in him. Um, And then you've got Arisman, is at five minutes, 10. He was about 40 seconds back on G today. Um, So they're locked in at 23rd and 24th place on GC, which you know, it doesn't mean so much at this stage, but you just have to compare it to the the other top GC guys, which Remco is still best out of the GC guys. He's uh, he's two minutes forty seven, followed by Mass Vinegard Roglic. Obviously, just there, that's just of the on the back of the TTT on stage one. So yeah, it was just a, it was just a mess of a stage, and some guys teams got it spot on. You know, Jumbo. I've said it already, but they nailed it. They had four in the break. They drove the break all day. Dylan Van Baal, incredible today. The way he <laughs> rode, he rode like 10 men. Um, and then they they, so they they won from the breakaway. They've now got that Sepp Kuss card to play, who's second in GC, just a handful of seconds behind Lenny Martinez. And then the duo of Vinegard and Roglic proved to be the two strongest from the GC group. So they rode a pitch perfect race. Um, but this is why we love cycling because you can't write this shit, and you can, you know, talk on the bus at the start. We can talk on this podcast, what's going to happen the next day, and you never know. And it was just an absolute gong show out there, (laughs) it was. And you know, with
1: with some sports, sometimes we talk about teams playing with confidence, and we talk about how uh, victories bring. Another level of confidence, it sort of feels the way that Jumbo Visma have been this year with what they did with Roglic at the very death um, of the Giro, with what happened at the tour, that there is a certainty and obviously with what has happened in stage six at the Welta, that there is a certainty at the moment in what they're doing. There's a confidence in their planning. There's a confidence in putting those plans into place because they're in this wonderful for them virtuous circle at the moment where pretty much most things they're trying are coming off
0: yeah I mean they're they're in the hot seat of most races they go to at the moment and um, you have to be realistic as a, as a guy in another team and, and notice that and and realise that they, they've they got the they've got the strongest GC men they've got the potentially the best rider in the world in Mount Van Aert any race they go to they're there for a reason and with real intent, and you know we've been in that situation. I've been part of a team some few years ago that was in that situation, and you go to a race, you know you have the strongest guy, and with that brings an unreal amount of confidence and self belief within within the squad, and you, the size of your balls just double, and, <laughs> and that's what we're seeing at the moment. We're like, seeing a double a double they know bowling. They've got the strongest guy. Yeah, they're balls like watermelons, mate. And, um, you know, they're just not afraid, are they? You know, you've got the no. two strongest GC guys in the breakaway. So shit's hitting the fan at the start. Everyone's attacking. So what do you do? You put the third strongest guy in the breakaway with three teammates. Like it takes balls, chapeau. And, you know, we've done it a lot this time this year in giving them praise. We've given them a few given them a few digs throughout the year. But, you know, credit where it's due, they they nailed that today. And it took it took a huge amount of confidence to back your third GC man in a breakaway of 42, leave your two big GC guy men with only two teammates with the other three up front. Um, and it just went pitch perfect for them. So, yeah, you've got to just tip your hat to them and and move on.
1: Okay, let's have a little break for ads there. We will conclude this first part by saying chapeau to the giant balls of Yumbo Visma. And when we come back, Luke, I've got a brief game I'd like to play with you before we talk a little bit more about Pipo Ghana in Wednesday's stage, and then maybe a little bit of tour Be of still Britain chat. Strength and shield, strength and shield. Be so Luke, uh, this is part two of today's pod. The little game I would like to play with you is to see which one of us can say the name of Thursday's stage finish faster than the other. I will go first. <clears throat> Observatorio Astrofisico da Havalambre.
0: Not bad, not bad. Um, okay, my go. <laughs>
1: I think you've given that game as much respect as it deserves. (laughs) All right, I'll try again. Ready? Yeah. Ready, ready, ready. I think that wins. And also the accent was perfect for that part of Spain, which was particularly impressive. (laughs) Rolling them R's, baby. Rolling them R's. Oh, yeah. Right, let's turn the clock back a mere 24 hours and talk about Wednesday's stage. Because people who listen to Tuesday Pod... To Tuesday's pub, we'll know that you did tip Pipo Ganna.
0: Yeah, I think um, he did a great sprint there, and yeah, credit to him. And just the way he went about it was was quite um, outrageous, really. He he was he stayed with G, and then he got into the final kilometres, and G said, "You know, once I get in the final three k, do what you want." So Pipo was there actually taking wind coming into the final. Got to 3K to go. G was safe. And then he went, you know what, I'll have a crack at this. And um, yeah, he, he you could tell he, he wasn't completely at home sprinting the way for those who watch it, the last K, he copped a lot of wind. He was on the outside there. He wasn't directly in the wheel. And he just whacked it. And it was, um, yeah, an incredible sprint. He, he lost by a you know, half a bike length to the fastest guy in the bike race. Uh, and he was comfortably ahead of third place. It wasn't It wasn't close between him and the guys behind. He rode an incredible sprint. And, and you know, we did talk about that on the podcast, of, like you say, on Tuesday, it'd be great to see him have a go. Um, so now we know we can guarantee for 100% certainty that Pipo does in fact listen to the podcast because <laughs> he obviously got some uh, motivation out of that. Um, I can also tell you, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I don't really care. He averaged eight hundred and fifty something watts for the what? last kilometer. What? That's punchy. What?
1: That's Wait, punchy. You need,
0: you need to put this in, yeah. into into context for those of us who get
1: really pleased when we're on Zwift and we hit three twenty uh, briefly. So just put into just put into prose um, terminology how ludicrous it is to push out that sort of power over that sort of distance.
0: So what makes this even more ludicrous is what you've got to think is that he finished that off with a sprint of, I don't know, but I'm going to say fifteen sixteen hundred 1,600 watts. Yeah. So he's been sat at 600, 700, 600, 700, and out in the wind there coming in, then bam, two, 300 meters to go, whacked it. So what he's actually done, he hasn't... If you go out for a minute and say, right, I'm going to average, sorry, for a kilometer and say, I'm going to average 850 odd watts, you pace it over that kilometer. But what he's done is it's, it's all back ended. So he's been six, 700 watts, six, 700 watts, and then bam, the last 200, 300. 200, 300. So it makes it more, even more impressive. And yeah, for anyone who's ever ridden with a power meter, ridden on Swift, then anything like that, them numbers will just are quite jaw-dropping. Jaw, uh, jaw and do you know what I think people would be amazing at if he could navigate his way around the peloton sl- ever so slightly better. I think he could be one of the best lead-out men in the peloton. Oh, interesting. Or maybe the best. Because if you can do that, ramp it, leave your man yes. with 200 metres to go, he could be one of the best lead-out men in the peloton. That is such a great shout But he's me. already the best at lots of Disciplines in the peloton, anyway. So, coolly jets, people, and just 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 <laughs> accept what you already got. Don't be greedy. He's one of those riders where, if
1: you take any of the uh, any one of the many disparate things that he can do extraordinarily well, you could build a magnificent career around that one thing. Um, but he's got five or six things that he does to that level, and he's also like usually someone like that you'd quite like to hate them because it's just impossible, and it makes everyone else look a bit stupid. But he's such a lovely boy. He's smile, he's got the beautiful eyes. He's smiling all the time. He's Pippo.
0: You can't hate Pippo. Nobody can hate Pippo. And today, again, you've seen him aiding that chase late on, you know, going up the climb. The Peloton wasn't that big. He was still there. He's one of these Swiss Army knife type riders that we, mm. that we like to talk about who, you know, he's got all the tools in the shed. And... um yeah, strong, strong as a horse, Italian, beautiful man, got it all going. Annie, <laughs> I don't hate him. I'm just jealous of him. <laughs> I'm trying to work out,
1: Luke, how many um, times I'd have to to multiply my own legs to get close to even 800 watts, let alone what he was topping out in that sprint with. So I think I would need at least sort of three of my legs on each side combined to a single leg. Does that make sense? So. Like my legs times three would still struggle to get me. Then
0: maybe they would get me up to 800 <laughs> briefly. <laughs> well, don't forget we are talking about three leg people here. So oh. it's an unfair advantage anyway. The man's got, th- the man's got three legs. Interesting um, detail. But yeah, I mean, yeah, for, for uh, even for the uh, average cyclist, if you, if you go out and hold half of that for a, a kilometre, it's pretty big. You know, if if you're holding over 400 watts for a kilometre, it's pretty punchy. So, yeah, I reckon even for a good rider, you'd be looking at 50% of his power output. It's
1: madness. It's pure madness. I'll tell you something that isn't madness, Luke, and that is... um you traveling to the land of your birth because the Tour of Britain starts this very weekend. Starts not a million miles from where I live, it's starting in
0: Alchenham. Um And I believe you're getting involved. That's it mate, yeah. Um, got the call up, Tour of Britain. So basically as soon as I knew I wasn't riding the Vuelta, I kind of just said to the team, okay, no worries, but can I ask for one thing? I'll do anything, any race, anywhere, but can I just ask for one thing? And that's Tour of Britain. Uh, nice. It's a race I haven't done. I've only ever done it once actually, 2012, yeah? uh, first year pro. Yeah, I've done it once. Um, just the program hasn't really lined up. And it was, as soon as Vuelta was off the cards, it was like, right, there's there's, there's only one race. And uh, and it was that, and they, they were brilliant, you know, accommodated that. Um, so it's it's, yeah i'm really looking forward to it really looking forward to it eight days looks like there's six relatively flat sprinter friendly stages followed by a really tough weekend and the last stage finishing off in kafili with two laps kafili mountain which is stone's throw from my home so i'm buzzing for that there'll be lots of familiar faces one of my mates foxy um the foxy brothers they're putting one of the they got a, a haulage Removals company, they're putting a big truck up on the mountain. They have made a banner. Classic and, foxy touches. You know, mate, it's gonna be class, hot dogs, <laughs> DJ. So I'm buzzing, I'm buzzing. I'm really looking forward to it. How many times do you think in your
1: life you've been up carefully mounted because anyone who's grown up in cardiff or lives in cardiff is super familiar with carefully mountain it's like it's a it's a rite of passage when you're a kid the first time you go up it it's the easiest mountain to go up for training it's just there isn't it it's the most familiar climb you can do god
0: how many times have i done it more times than i've had cooked dinners probably um but there's also what's great about it and i still do it now i call it the the I used to call it the spider workout because I think off the top of my head, yeah, no, there's there's eight different ways you can go up it. Is it? So, yeah, and I still do it now sometimes. So you go up. Oh, I see up where and you're down, going. Each side. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the spider workout. So there's eight ways up it. Climb down the next way. U bolt at the bottom. Back up and just do each leg. Um, so spider, eight legs, spider workout, and it's something I did as a kid um, and something I still do now. So I know I know it very, very well. Um, and then also you've got the added bonus of it finishes a stone throw from Cardiff Centre. So hopefully finish the way race, have some good success, and then get into Cardiff and send it. So <laughs> it's got all the right ingredients for a great week. <laughs> That descent into Cardiff is,
1: is a delight as well, isn't it? Is there is is it carefully where there used to be a burger van on top, and now the burger vans become a permanent ver, um, burger stall?
0: You really know your stuff, don't you? You're uh, right, mate. Yeah, yes. it's uh, yeah the the burger bar. You go up there on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and you see some hungover states. <laughs> Everyone goes up there the, the the morning after for their whatever double bacon, bag and bacon. Egg and cheese and whatever. Um, so no, that's a, that's a Gafili mountain staple. Still goes on. And then prior to that, you go over the Rikos and the bulk as well. No, touch. So it's going to be a beautiful race. It's going to be, and we we also got, um, you know, in the in the world of cycling, it's obviously not a World Tour race. It's not the biggest race on the calendar. But that being said, it's it's a it's a huge race for us. Um, it's the only time we race on UK shores. Um, other than the Nationals, uh, we're we'll going there with a strong team. We've got Tom Pidcock and Carlos Rodriguez uh, fronting the GC battle. Uh, and then we've got myself, Big Ben Turner, Magnus Sheffield mm-hmm. and Connor Swift there to to aid that. So great bunch of lads. Um, you know, we got four Brits in there as well, which is, which is mega. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to it. See the British public fans haters whoever you are bring it on <laughs> get out there you know home shores British team uh I, I haven't actually been this excited for a race in a long time I've got to be honest I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing for it so how are we going to play this on the welter pods do we just do we do sort of
1: 80% Vuelta 20% tour of Britain do we split it depending on the day
0: that you've had and the day that G has had how should we play this I think we just sack off the welter and focus on Britain now mate. Um you know just f- focus on the focus on the big race. Um we I mean we could do like 10% welter if if people are that interested but no, all about Britain now guys. We'll, we'll do a few more pods before Britain starts and then the last week after Britain's finished we can we can pick up on the welter again but now we're all guns blazing tour of Britain. Yeah, I like That's it. Where but- it's at.
1: What we'll do is we'll simply read uh, top 10 on the day's stage at the Vuelta and then do a very brief recap of the GC and then swiftly
0: move on to the proper racing. Yeah, we'll just like retweet the top 10 on GC <laughs> on the on the What's Occurring feed and leave it at that and then talk a couple of hours about Tour de Brut. No, I'm saying this tongue in cheek. It's... Um, no, we'll, we'll be covering both. Still a strong Vuelta theme. Um, probably still... A lot more Vuelta than Tour of Britain. I think you're in the ballpark there, 80-20, 75-25. If there's there's still be covering Tour of Britain, giving you an insight there from inside the race. So what we're saying is next week, exclusive inside content from Tour of Britain and Vuelta. Winner, winner. There is no other podcast that can offer you that.
1: Luke, it's been lovely being back on what's occurring with you. And I'll join you again, I'm sure, as the races unfold over the next... Week, two and a half weeks. Um, thanks for having me. I always enjoy myself and what's occurring.
0: Mate, absolute pleasure. Lovely to have you. And we'll catch up at some point next week. Sounds good, see you then. Mega, tada boy. <laughs>